Well, the Yankees are back. Um, like I said all along, they would be fine. They're going to win 100 games, take the division, probably win the World Series. Let's talk about them. Episode 535 of BD4. Let's get into it. The Yankees win their second consecutive series after taking down the Texas Rangers at Yankee Stadium to wrap up a, a solid homestand. Let's talk. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, Tony, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! Penetrates, creates, and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. All right. What's up? What's happening, everybody? Episode 535 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. I am your host, RJ. And um, you're listening to episode 535 of the podcast. Yes, welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Uh, Great, great, great fight night card this past weekend. Um, two of my wives fought against each other, so it was tough to find uh, who I wanted to win. But so instead of betting on one of them, I bet on the over under on the rounds. Uh, I lost, but yeah, Macy Barber took care of Amanda Rebus. Um, both very good fighters who I like. Um, and um, Josh Emmett, the dude is a warrior. Um, he ended up losing, but he ended up becoming the story of the main event because of how good he was, or how tough and resilient. I should say the, the fact that he stuck in there for round five. Um, I don't know why I just started diving into some MMA. I, I could talk about this entire card, but um, you know what? Fuck it. We got time to kill. It was a fun card. And um, man, the prelims were fun. Uh, Tabitha Ricci won her fight. Baby Shark. She's very good. Um, yeah, no, UFC's been fun, and I still got I, I gotta watch the Ultimate Fighter. I know that season started um, a few weeks back. I have to I have to catch up. It's every Tuesday. I haven't watched it yet, so um, probably like four episodes behind or something. But it's unfortunate that Connor. This is no shocker, but you know, never joined the USADA pool, so he's not going to fight Chandler unless something changes behind the scenes um, at the end of the year. But I still want to watch this season. I heard it's it's. I don't know, actually. I have no idea what the ratings are. Um, actually, I heard the ratings weren't good, but I don't know. I usually like to see for myself. I don't follow internet ratings, but I want to check out that. What I have been checking out recently, and we'll get to the Yankees, I promise, in a second. You can just skip ahead in the timestamps below if you want. Yo, I've been watching a little bit of Black Mirror lately. Um... Wow, the new season is out, season six. Um, I gotta catch up. I, I mean, it's not a show you need to catch up with, but 
Uh, I, I do want to like refresh and watch some of the old ones because there are a lot. Of, I watched every one. Uh, I saw all five seasons, and I, I would like to go back at some point and watch you know all the episodes again because it it, it had been so long. This is the show I think that came out and jeez. For some reason, I want to say like early 2010s. Um, but um, yeah, I've seen the first two episodes of the sixth season, both very different. Uh, I think there's five episodes this season. The first one was nuts. It's like, yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but like, spoiler alert, you're living in like a simulation. Like, it's like different levels to each. Go watch it. It's nuts. Um, and the second one was more of a, like a horror film. It wasn't even, it didn't feel like Black Mirror, but I loved it. I like, it was good. It was suspenseful. There was a lot of buildup to something that you knew was going to happen, but you didn't know how or what. It was very good. Um, and I'm excited. I heard the third episode that I'm probably going to try and watch tonight. If not sometime this week, cause it's going to be raining a lot here in Jersey. Um, I heard that one features Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. So obviously want to check that one out but um let's talk about the Yankees because um well the tones kind of changed you know it's it's even last episode where they won against the Seattle Mariners we left off on a terrible note because the game they lost the final game of the series was a terrible 10 nothing blowout from the start um you know they did two fake runs later but so it didn't feel like a win, uh, that series. But this was solid. You're going up against a tough Texas Rangers team. And to take two out of three from Texas is good. Um, so we'll talk about it all. Get into it all. We'll start off the show, however, by giving you some updates on, on you know all these injuries. Um, so we'll get to that as soon as we return from our first break. Stay with us. We'll be back in a few seconds. Be right there. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 535 of BD4. So, uh, some bad news. We'll start with the bad news. Um, Aaron Judge, <laughs> I guess this isn't really shocking for me uh, and probably for a lot of you because we know the Yankees bullshit and lie and are always wrong and incorrect about their injuries when they talk to the media. Um but everything, you know, all the comments that we're hearing, the no timeline stuff, just the way Boone and Judge talked about the injury, you knew there was something more to it. You knew that it might have been worse than than they made it, uh, than they initially said. And it ends up, yes, it is way worse than than what was initially diagnosed. Um, I think it was initially supposed to be. Uh, contused toe, uh, but it turns out that he tore a ligament in the toe. Um, so a tear is different than a sprain. 
I'm not a doctor, but apparently that means that Judge is going to be out for sure at least another month. Um, I, I think best case scenario here for Judge is August. Some are saying September. But would you really be shocked if this lingered all the way and he ended up missing the season? Kind of wouldn't be shocked um, because that's how things work over here. But bottom line is the majority of the Yankees season will now be without Aaron Judge. So they have to go forward with that mindset. Um, and again, I will still stand by what I've been saying. The Yankees roster without Aaron Judge, while it has a low floor, and that's on Cashman, still isn't the Oakland A's, and they should still be able to win you baseball games at a very good rate. That's on them for not doing so, so far. Um, you still need guys to step up. Um, so that's the whole Judge thing. Uh, yeah, best case scenario, August, and that's probably unrealistic at this point, um, at least early August. Carlos Rodon, that's good news. Um, he keeps progressing. He threw another rehab today uh, with Somerset. Four innings, no runs, a hit, four strikeouts, 48 pitches, and 36 strikes. If you care about rehab stats, um, that's nice, I, I guess. I'm just, you know, at this point, let me know when the guy's pitching for the New York Yankees. Um, but it seems like July is, is more realistic, hopefully, before the All-Star break. Uh, and then Ian Hamilton is due back for the Oakland series. Um, I forget what the, the injury with him was, even. Um, but hopefully he can help out with guys like you know Peralta and King struggling a little bit lately. Definitely need another arm in there. Guys have been worked a ton so far in that bullpen this season. Um, those are the injury updates. We have another thing to talk about real quick before we dive into the series. So earlier this morning, um, Aaron Boone was uh, like 30 minutes late to his press conference. And there were a lot of uh, reports out there saying that it had something to do with Josh Donaldson because he, Josh Donaldson made himself unavailable this morning and supposedly he walked straight into Boone's office. They had a serious discussion, quote, um... And it had people thinking, oh, is this it? Is this the Donaldson DFA? Apparently, it turns out Boone just talked to him for 30 minutes to tell him how much he loves him and how much he's going to play. That's just like to sum it up. Like, like a total fucking joke. Um, but then he also wasn't in the dugout for today's game. You didn't see him in the dugout. Um, so I, I definitely think there's something going on behind the scenes. Um, the, uh, the, the delusional slash optimistic part of me says that tomorrow is a day off. So maybe we're going to hear something more tomorrow about Josh Donaldson retiring or being cut. I think that's very possible that the meeting today was, Hey, Josh, either retire or cut. It's your choice or, or, or we'll cut you. It's your choice. Maybe. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I think there's something more to it. Maybe I have a feeling we'll find out more tomorrow on a Monday. Again, it's a day off for the Yankees on the 26th of June. Um, but, yeah, that was something that I 
I don't know. It was very interesting. I, I kind of got my hopes up, then down, but now I'm starting to think a little more about something's going on again. So we'll see. But it is no coincidence that Josh Donaldson doesn't see an at-bat for two consecutive games to end the series, and the Yankees win both of them. Let's just wrap that up on there. Um, with that all said, that's that's all the housekeeping shit. Let's get into this series. Let's recap these games, and uh, we'll, we'll get over... We'll run over some talking points. So as soon as we return from break, we'll get into it all. Stay with us. Be right back here on BD4. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. All right. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to episode 535 of the podcast. So, the first game of this series where the Yankees beat the Rangers to win their second consecutive series. The first game they lose. Uh, they lost 4-2 to two in extra innings. It was a uh, it was Clark Schmidt going up against Dunning. Um, in the bottom of the second, Anthony Rizzo gets hit by a pitch. Anthony LeMay up. Anthony LeMahieu. Anthony Rizzo hit by a pitch. DJ LeMahieu doubles. And then Billy uh, Billy McKinney picks up the RBI with the soft ground ball to third base. Top of the fourth, though, the um, Texas Rangers tie the game when a ball lands between Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Anthony Volpe in center field uh, for the Rangers' first run. Uh... Schmidt ends up going five and a third innings. He was great, uh, but unfortunately the bullpen failed the Yankees, obviously as well as the bats. But top of the eighth, Garver singles on a ground ball to left field off of Clay Holmes. It's two to one Texas. Bottom of the eighth, Higashioka does tie it with the pinch hit sack fly. And if we're gonna shit on Aaron Boone for his dumb decisions and 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 whatnot. I'll give him credit for making a, a dumb decision, I thought, but it ended up working. It paid off, so whatever. Ties the game at two in the eighth. Uh, top of the tenth, though, we get to extras. Mike King comes in, continues to really, really struggle, and I believe it was the very first pitch he threw was launched into the sun off the bat of Garcia for a home run to make it 4-2 Rangers. The Yankees do nothing in the bottom of the inning, and they end up losing this 4-2. to two. Um, Offensively, two runs on six hits, two walks, four strikeouts, and a pathetic 0-8 in scoring position. You had two hits each from IKF and Rizzo. You had one from McKinney and one from DJ, and walks from Bowers and Volpe. Um, and then IKF making two very inexplicable mistakes. He had one, again, in center field. And then he had another mistake on the bases, walking off of second base after being called safe with the stolen base. It is unbelievable, and we'll get into all that in a second uh, later on. Um, but you know what? Fuck it. Like, that... that Aaron Boone, man. Like, that center... <laughs> It's Aaron Boone teams just don't have fundamentals. That center field play with IKF doesn't happen if resting players is more paramount than going for wins. But apparently on Aaron Boone teams, we got to rest guys so often. 
the best center fielder in baseball defensively, was getting rest on Friday night's game. Instead, we had an infielder playing outfield, and that happens. And that's also a great job on our GM putting a roster out there with an infielder as our fourth outfielder. Um, and then, and then, this is straight-up decision-making by Boone here. What the hell are you doing pinch-hitting Josh Donaldson for Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney, that's your hottest hitter right now. He's been nothing but consistent for you. I do not care who's on the mound. Give me the lefty McKinney versus a left-handed pitcher over the righty Josh Donaldson versus a left-handed pitcher any day of the damn week. That's where I go away from matchups. Josh Donaldson is a starter. His entire career he's been a starter. Billy McKinney comes in. He's been hitting for you. The guy has no feel for the game. You gotta play your best players. And you don't pinch hit your, your hottest player for your coldest player. A guy batting a buck 25 should not be batting late in the game in a big spot over a guy who's been batting well over 300 for you. That was just unacceptable. It's not something you do. I'm sorry. Um... On a plus, again, Clark Schmidt, five and a third innings, one run, no earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts, no home runs allowed. He continues to just pitch very well for the Yankees. He's had a good year, Clark Schmidt. Um, Since May, he's allowed three runs or less in nine of ten starts. He also has a 2.19 ERA in in his last seven starts. So, the first month of the season was awful for Clark Schmidt. We wanted no part of him, right? We were all begging to get him out of there. I was saying, to, I was telling everybody, this guy's not a starting pitcher. He's a platoon lefty-righty reliever. Righty on lefty reliever, right? He can't get left-handers out. He struggles a third time through the order. All that stuff, right? Those are all the narratives. But, since then, man... He's picked it up big time. And I'm kind of thinking like, okay, maybe Clark Schmidt can be an adequate part of this rotation as the five man. Like that's not a terrible, like there wasn't a single soul who could say that was the thought process in April. Nobody would have bet on Schmidt pitching like this the last two months now. So I got to give credit to the guy. And I also had no problems, with, you know, I don't have a problem when Boom pulls guys like Schmidt or Brio a little earlier because those are, you know, again, number five starters who they do get bounced around a little bit later in the game. So I, I didn't hate that, but it just sucks that we have to keep sitting through losses on Clark Schmidt days. And now it's just because the offense is not scoring runs because he's turned it around. Um, the bullpen in this game, again, four and two-thirds innings, three runs, four Ks weren't good. Um, Cordero was good. Uh, Peralta was actually good in this game, which was refreshing to see because he had been struggling. Um, Clay Holmes' command was off. Uh, Canely continues to shut it down. And then Michael King continued to really struggle. And, um, again, that's getting a little bit concerning. Uh, but the Yankees lose this game in extras 4-2. to two. 
Um, but they won the second game as well as the third game. But they won the second game of the series, one nothing. Uh, Severino versus Gray. Top of the first inning, Severino walks two batters, uh, but nobody comes across to score. Jake Bowers makes an excellent throw from right field to gun down a runner at home. Top of the third mm. inning. Anthony Rizzo squanders an opportunity with the bases loaded, swinging at some pretty terrible pitches. Bottom of the fourth, Billy McKinney produces the lone RBI in this game with the 423-foot shot, uh, and that makes it one nothing Yankees. Gray goes five, Severino goes six. The Yankees use about 600 relievers in this game when they did not need to, but they win one nothing. Um... One run on four hits, a home run, uh, two walks, eight strikeouts, and one for two hitting with runners in scoring position. You had singles from Bader, Rizzo, and Stanton. And then, again, the home run for McKinney. Uh, And that was really it for this offense. They didn't bother stringing together good enough at-bats to put guys into scoring position. Um, Again, just two times on second base or or further. Um, Severino, six innings, no runs, five hits, two walks, four Ks, and the win. Or no, uh, did he get the win? Yeah, he got the win. I think he got the win. Did he get the win? Yeah, the McKinney home run came early. Um, <laughs> he struggled early on. Uh, but again, he was helped out by Jake Bauer's throw. He found it second, third, and on, and he was overall outstanding. Uh, more on Severino later. Um, the bullpen, Tommy Canely, another scoreless inning. He went one, two, three in the seventh. Peralta pitched the eighth, but he struggled. Holmes escaped the mess that Peralta put him in. And then Marinaccio also struggled in this game, put two on with no outs in the ninth, but he worked out of it cleanly somehow and closed the game there, got the save. Um, and that was really it for the second game. Game three, uh, which took place this afternoon at 1.30, the Yankees win 5-3. to three. You had Garrett Cole going up against Nathan Evaldi, um, former Yankee reject. Uh, top of the first, you could just see it. He didn't have it, Cole. Uh, he issues the Simeon double and then a Seager single. It's one nothing Texas. Bottom of the first, he gets zero. From the Yankees after the Glaber Torres mistake, um, the other mistake, the other, other, other mistake that he made, because um, he's made, you know, a little bit of mistakes this season. Um, so bad on the bases. Top of the second, Garrett Cole allows a home run and then a pair of doubles. It's 3 nothing Texas. Bottom of the second, the Yankees show some life when Stanton walks, Bowers doubles, LeMahieu doubles. A lot of doubles in this game. Uh, and then it's 3-2 to two, Texas. Uh, they had a chance to do a little more, but Volpe missed a fastball down the plate. And then Trevino did Trevino things because he can't hit worth a shit, unfortunately. Um, top of the third, Cole, still not pitching well at all, allows a loud single to right field to put runners on first and third with nobody out. But he gets out of it with a long fly ball to Harrison Bader. Um, Yanks go down in the third inning. Top of the fourth, Cole labors again, but gets a second straight scoreless inning. Bottom of the fourth, another lifeless inning as Bowers walks, but DJ the Mayhew grounds into a lazy double play. 
Top of the fifth, once again, another inning where Cole has to labor, and he ends up leaving the game with first and third, two outs. Cordero comes in for him because the Yankees have their stupid little, you know, cupcake bullpen rules. Um, and he gets a chopper to Rizzo to end the threat. But bottom fifth comes, and you guess it, another another sewer trash inning for the Yankees as they go down one, two, three. They looked really bad in this game. Um, I was ready to trash them, but they ended up scoring five. Um, Cordero was bad in the sixth, uh, puts two on with no outs, uh, pulled for Nick Ramirez. He comes in and gets the job done. Um, bottom of the sixth, Bader breaks the skid with a one-out double in the gap. Uh, that was the first hit Evaldi allowed since the second inning when DJ hit the two-run double. Um, but it didn't matter because Rizzo grounds out on a 3-1 splitter. Um, that moved Bader to third with two outs, but after Evaldi's pulled, some random reliever comes in, um, and then Stanton ends up getting out. Um, Top of the seventh, Ramirez gets the Rangers to go one, two, three, and then DJ, you had him making that incredible play, going to his right and making a nice throw to Rizzo at first. Um, and then the bottom of the seventh, the Yanks go down feebly one, two, three. Um, scoreless pitching from Marinaccio in the eighth. And then the Yankees finally break out of it in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, the Anthony Volpe leadoff double. Then you get a Jose Trevino base hit to shortstop. So. There you go. He had one there. Um, Glaber Torres, not bunting, pops it up. Rodriguez comes in to face Bader from there. And then Bader starts the big rally, blasts his second double of the game to plate two. And this puts the Yankees up four to three. Um, Rizzo was intentionally walked to make it first and second for Stanton with one out. And Stanton took that. As an insult, and laces a base hit to left field to plate another run. The Yanks go up 5-3. Bowers takes the plate, almost keeps it going, but lines right into a double play at second base. Still a big inning for the Yankees, who were running out of time. Um, and then you get in the top of the ninth, Michael King coming in to close it. He gets the job done, gets revenge on Garcia to end the game. Uh, and the Yankees win. Six doubles. From the bats, that was nice to see. That's very refreshing. This is not a team who hits a lot um, outside the home run, so to see them, you know, do that was good. It was good to see some fight from the lineup too. They went down three nothing early, but battled back and took the five three win. Um, again, the only thing was not bunting there from Torres. That was annoying, but Glaber Torres obviously doesn't have the brains to think of something like that. Nor do I trust him to lay one down. Um, plus, the Yankees also just don't have the baseball feel to go away from their philosophy. Um, but five runs, eight hits, six extra base hits. They batted 276 in the game. I'm not going to complain because we've been in desperate need of a game like that. Um, even five runs, it feels like a 10-run game at this point for this team. Uh, Garrett Cole, four and two-thirds innings, three runs, nine hits, a walk, seven strikeouts. Didn't have it, though. He wasn't good. Um, no breaking ball at all today. He was mislocating the slider from the jump. That got banged around. His fastball, it sucked. It was all over the place in the first inning as well. Um, found it a little bit later, but not consistently enough. 
And yet John Flaherty called it from the start. He said that Cole definitely doesn't look like he has his stuff, and this is going to be one he has to grind out, and he did to a degree. Uh, but, you know, for a guy who has five different pitches to offer, I do wish Cole would dig into his bag a little more and use them all. You know, like, he was struggling a lot today to finish guys off. He had a lot of two-strike counts, but guys were fouling him off, making contact on him. He just, I was hoping to see him offer more, but he didn't. And for a little bit now, he's been going mainly four-seam slider. Um, I just wish that sometimes he'd show the change up a bit more, the knuckle curve a bit more, and that cut fastball a little bit more often, just to keep them honest. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just wish sometimes he'd, he'd flash his arsenal a little more than he does. Um, at the end of the day, it was a bad start from him, but he, he didn't ever implode, so it was good to at least have him keep them in the game. Um, so that was the series. Uh, we got a few talking points to run over, and, and then I'll be that. So we are going to head to break, uh, and then we'll get back and we'll talk about a few things. As soon as we return, stay with us. Episode 534, or 535 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ. We'll be right back. If you have time in the day, or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to episode 535 of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to BD4. Um, I promise we're going to get to a lot of positive. We will. Um, but what's a BD4 podcast without some negative? <laughs> uh, but no, I, I do want to start with some not so positive things because this needs to be talked about. These piss poor fundamentals keep showing up every single series. And listen, I'm, I'm not going to try to keep bringing this up, but you're starting to see mistakes that you never usually see. And you're seeing them on a nightly basis. And that right there is, is, yes, it's on the players, obviously. But it also falls on the manager. And my dislike for this guy as a manager, it grows tremendously every night. Not just because I wanted to, but because I don't think he's a great manager. You've got to have your team ready and prepared. And this Yankees team, forget World Series caliber, but they're supposed to be a professional Major League Baseball team. That's it. But they lack simple, like, unsophisticated, just fundamentals, basic fundamentals that you should learn at age five on your local elementary school baseball field. The play on Friday night with IKF and center field cannot, must not, and should not ever freaking happen. But it did. 
And all of these mistakes are just insane mistakes that should not ever occur. This month, this month alone, we've had Luis Severino balking two times in one inning. Nick Ramirez balking a guy home to score against the Red Sox in an important series. Garrett Cole today balked a runner to third base with one out. We made about five or six errors. They weren't all scored as errors because Fenway is biased, but we made about five or six errors in one single game on that Friday night Red Sox game a few weeks back. We made three errors in one inning against the Seattle Mariners last week. How about the catcher's interference to score a run with the bases loaded and the number eight hitter up from Higashioka against Boston? Glaber Torres, it seems like on a nightly basis, does something wrong in the field or on the bases. Today, his latest blunder was on the bases in the first inning, not tagging up and going from second, trying to go to to home plate on on a fucking pop-up to Marcus Simeon. It is unbelievable. I mean, this shit is so bad. It is so unacceptable and egregious. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And don't get me wrong, the Yankees, while not a great team, are better than the Oakland A's. But I will say, I don't even think the Oakland A's have fundamentals this bad. Maybe they do, but I, I don't... It's hard to envision many other teams having fundamentals as bad as the Yankees do. This shit, this is like fundamentally flawed at their core. It is disrespectful to be committing these kinds of mistakes this often if you're to be considered a major league ball club. I mean, sometimes I watch these games, man, and I I am just in awe. I really am in awe. I am shocked at what I see. And quite frankly, I get a little pissed off that it's not blowing up in in local media as much as I feel like it should be. It's really bad sometimes. And of course, because this guy, Boone, is the epitome and, and the poster child of the modern Yankees, he doesn't hold them accountable much, which is exactly why this keeps on happening. That's the problem with with this whole pro-player, player-friendly thing. This laissez-faire mentality does not work for winners. It doesn't groom championship-caliber players. It grooms losing players. So, sure, he'll bench a guy every here and there, really not that often, but I want to hear him hammer into one. I want to hear him talk some shit on the postgame. He doesn't have to throw his guys under the bus, but the fact that he sits there and... I'd rather hear him not comment on it, but the fact that he sits there in the postgame and he brings it up and he compliments them after they make stupid mistakes is getting really annoying, and that says a lot about what he probably does and says in the clubhouse. Because it wouldn't keep happening if it wasn't addressed. If it was addressed. It's very frustrating. Uh, But I want to get to the positive now, right? We'll get the negative out of the way, and we'll stop bitching and moaning off, off of a very impressive series win. So when we return from break, we'll talk about some of the veterans who've been heating up lately on this Yankees team. We'll be right back. A few seconds. Episode 535 of BD4. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 535 of the podcast. So, 
Uh, we've been saying constantly since Aaron Judge went down that some of these veterans are going to have to step up. Um, obviously, the two guys I've been mentioning are Giancarlo Stanton and Anthony Rizzo because those are the two vets on this team that I still actually have high expectations for. However, um, DJ LeMayhew, as I guess tough as I've been on him, I just think he's washed. He has lately shown some life. Um, he had two doubles this series. He's had three doubles if you date back to the City Field series. But he's been roping the ball a little bit harder. Uh, still playing great defense. Showing some more frustration lately in the dugout. Uh, talking to the media. Talked to the to reporters earlier this week about how he's disappointed um, with his offense this year. Listen, I um I don't take anything from this. Can you even call it a lukewarm stretch? Like, if you can even, I, I don't know. I don't take because at the end of the day, he's still not statistically hitting lately. But he's shown something lately. I guess that's the best way I could put it. I don't know that I take a lot from it. But if it's still in there, that'd be wonderful for him to be this two sixty hitter at this point with some double and home run pop, you know, consistently like. It'd be nice um, because when this offense is going, a lot of the time that's with DJ going, right? You hear that a lot, uh, but I don't know. I don't know that I see that. Uh, it is refreshing though to see him connect a little more lately, um, and maybe Oakland helps get him going. You know that can always help to face some double A pitching, right? Um, but he has hit a little more lately. Um, but the two guys we talk about, Stanton and Rizzo, Stanton and Rizzo, right? Stanton. Had been concerning me for a little bit. Um, hadn't been hitting at all uh, heading into this series. And even the first game, he didn't hit. And it, it's like, it's gotten to a little longer stretch than you expected. Because we know he slumps when he comes back from injury. But he looks stiff. He wasn't moving well in the outfield the other day. His body's been breaking down the last few years. The power hasn't really been there. The fear factor doesn't seem like it's been there with him either. Like, Rizzo was intentionally walked. He bats in front of Stanton. That's new. You don't see guys intentionally walk guys to get to Giancarlo. And so I mentioned in the last episode, if I should start thinking about the word, the the W word with him. I'm still thinking about using it. I'm going to wait back on it a little more, but, you know, I extended his leash a little bit because he did finish the series on a solid note. So, nothing crazy, but it was enough for me to extend the leash for the time being. Um, In his last two games, you know, two for six, a walk, an RBI, and that RBI came in a very big moment today. So, we'll see where that goes. Stanton, I think, usually hits Oakland pretty well. So, hopefully that can help him. Um, We'll see. Again, I don't want to use the W word like we have with DJ and, and Donaldson, but we got to see a little more. Um, Rizzo was concerning a whole lot of folks for a while there. Um, he literally was not hitting the baseball at all. Like, when he got hurt at the end of that San Diego series, he wasn't hitting from there up until the Fenway series. It was a 10-game stretch where Anthony Rizzo was 2 for 37. I don't even know what that is. That's so bad. 2 for 37. Uh, but since that Fenway series, Anthony Rizzo has hit. 
in his last nine games, so almost as long as that slump. He's batting 310, nine hits, four walks, five RBIs. It seems like he's back, like he's good again. Uh, the home run ball still hasn't returned. Um, that's dropped off. But I, I think that'll start coming again now so long as he keeps hitting. Um, he had some tough swings in this series for sure, but he is hitting again, and, and I'm I'm good. And remember, I said too, during the slump, well, it could have been the neck. Uh, it also could have just been the fact that his batting average on the season before that giant slump was up to 305. So sometimes just a little bit of market correction takes place, right? So those guys are starting to swing the bat a little bit better. Um, maybe Anthony Volpe is finding something. Because while we're on the topic of bats that might be coming alive a little bit, well, Anthony Volpe, since uh, since he changed, um, you know, changed his batting stance and he closed off his front foot, since that City Field series... In his last 11 games, 8 hits, 5 extra base hits, 6 walks, a 370 OBP. That's what I'm looking at right now. I love, I just, I love when Anthony Volpe gets on base. The havoc that he can create. The stolen base, of course. Yeah, obviously. But just the way he bounces around on his leads and is able to distract the pitcher. It's already forced a few mistakes on the year. You saw that in the Seattle series, we saw Castillo. He got distracted. He makes a mistake to Jake Bowers, which ends up being a home run because Volpe's on the bases dancing. And that's nice to see. Uh, but yeah, the ball seems to just be coming off the bat a little better recently. Some line drives in there going the other way a few times. And that's what we're, that's what we want Anthony Volpe to focus on. I want to see Anthony Volpe... Level off that swing a little bit more. Focus on hitting line drives, doubles. Because if he can level off that swing, start making consistent contact, he's going to be a doubles machine with his speed alone. And if he's a doubles machine, he's already got home run pop, so that likely means he could become a high average hitter. I think it's in there somewhere. He's just got to figure out to figure out a way to... to... I don't like the uppercut. I don't. Um, I'm happy he closed off the stance a little bit, but I don't love the uppercut. So, I don't know. If he hires a personal hitting coach like Aaron Judge does, maybe he becomes a high average hitter sometime down the line. Um, But, again, we've seen better signs of late with him focusing on, you know, closing off that stance and trying to get more of an opposite field approach or up the middle and not just pulling it and yanking it down the third baseline. He seems to be more uh, balanced and and clean with his approach at the plate there. Um, So it's good to see that. Um, On the flip side of things, while the offense has had its ups and downs, how about the pitching? Because it really feels like the pitching has been mainly just up. I feel like people don't give this pitching staff top to bottom, bullpen the rotation, I feel like they don't give it enough credit. Um, listen, we rightly complain about the lineup scoring two, three runs a night and not hitting. But if you look up every night, it's pretty damn often where Yankee opponents are being held to four runs or less. It's pretty great. The pitching staff has done a pretty fantastic job. Whatever formula they use, 
they avoid run scoring. And that's all that matters, obviously, on the pitching side of things. Keep runs off the board. The Yankees on the season are 4th in ERA, 15th in in, uh, starting pitching, and 1st in bullpen. You go to the rotation. Cole has been the ace. Obviously, today happened, but he's still been awesome. The ERA is still in the high twos. Uh, The Yankees are also 13-4 and when he pitches. Obviously, I talk about that a lot. Uh, Severino has been a mixed bag since returning, but Schmidt has been good for them. I can officially call it a an adequate season for Clark Schmidt, given the expectation. Um, Domingo Herman was having a good year. I don't know what's going on there. We got to see what he looks like his next two times out. Um, Brito and Vasquez, whenever they're called upon, they they do a nice job in spot starts. I'd like to see Vasquez sometime again soon. I, I do know the Yankees have had a shit ton of days off this month. Um, also, again, you, you got Rodon, Rodon, whatever, continuing to progress, as we mentioned at the top of the show. He should be back in July. Um, and you go to the bullpen. Again, the number one ERA in baseball, 285. Michael King has obviously struggled of late. But overall, he's been very solid, and I expect him to find that again. Um, today was a positive step in the ninth inning there. Uh, Peralta also struggling lately, but again, another guy who has earned my trust the last few seasons, and I expect him to turn it around soon. Um, he's had a solid season himself. Clay Holmes has been absolutely fantastic for the Yankees. Uh, just recently gave up you know his first run after 20 consecutive scoreless innings. Um, he's been great in this flex role the Yankees have him in. Um, and you got Hamilton coming back this next series. He was one of the Yankees' best arms before the injury, if not the best. So Ian Hamilton's coming back. Marinaccio has been fine. Cordero's been okay. Uh, and Canely. Tommy Canely has just been exceptional for the Yankees so far. And speaking of Tommy Canely, I'm tipping my cap to him because he had a hell of a series. Tommy Canely this series. Two innings, no runs, a strikeout, no walks, one hit. I got to give the guy credit. I did not have any expectations, or I should say I actually had low expectations for Tommy Canely when I heard he was returning. Um, I think I said, like, I think I did say uh, a mop-up role. Like, I literally thought this guy's career was over. I thought he was cooked. Because you look at his last few seasons, and between injuries and just underachieving, it hasn't looked good for him. The last full good season he had was when he was, when he was with the Yankees. Um, the first time around. So I didn't expect shit. But was I wrong? At least so far. Uh, he's looked incredible. That fastball change sequence has been excellent. Uh, and not only has he held every offense scoreless so far, knock on wood, with a zero ERA, he's limiting traffic a ton too. Not a ton of hits, not a ton of walks. He just comes in and he gets the damn thing done. He's got a 0.41 whip on the season right now. <laughs> so shout out to Tommy Canley for killing it and proving me absolutely wrong so far. Um, and this will be now the third time this season where Tommy Canley has gotten a cap tip. So, good for you, dude. Um, and while we're tipping our caps, might as well go to the mound and tip it out to Severino. Luis Severino. Again, 
Six innings pitched. No runs, 4Ks, 95 pitches. And I was fine with that being it for him. I think he was in need of a confidence game. A nice win to get him you know, through six scoreless and call it there. That was fine by me. Um, but he looked great. The fastball velocity was excellent again. Um, last two starts, the velocity has been back up. And have that late movement to it also. And I think he'll be okay. Um, I think last start was encouraging to a degree. But then this one was really strong. It was a good stepping stone last start. And I think he maybe just went through a little bit of a dead arm period. Again, he didn't have a spring training, all that stuff. So I'm hoping he's good. Um, but he was very fastball aggressive in this in this game. Um, he rode that four seam, I think, 40-something times with the four seamer the yes graphic showed. And then he went to the slider as his secondary pitch. Um, yeah, the confidence was there. You could see it. Working out of jams, pumping himself up, and it's it's good. He did this against a very tough Rangers lineup too. To be able to navigate that lineup, the number one offense in baseball, while only having one run of support, makes it all that much more impressive. So, if there are any contenders out there looking for a relatively young right-hander in his prime to rent out for the season, Sevy is your guy. Um, if the Yankees end up selling. But I don't feel like that's going to happen. But Severino now, after this start, has um, three cap tips on the season. So it was a good, very good job for Luis Severino to be able to bounce back like this um, with six very strong scoreless innings. Um, And lastly, I'm tipping my cap to Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader. Wonderful. Uh, it was tough. I, I was going to go McKinney. I was thinking about Rizzo. But Harrison Bader saved himself with a massive afternoon today. Um, finishes the series with uh, two doubles and a single. Raises the OPS on the season up to 751. He's got two doubles, two triples, and already six home runs on the year. Uh, but he was 3-for-9 this series. A couple RBIs in there. A run scored. Um, yeah, he he was great. He won today's game with the two doubles. Uh, without that second double, the rest of the inning very well may not have happened. You know, that's who he is, though. He starts the engine. He's that spark plug. Um, he also had the base hit yesterday. And, again, had he played on Friday night, we could be talking about a Yankees sweep because that IKF play probably does not happen if the best defensive center fielder in baseball is out there in uh, game one of the series. Um, But Harrison Bader gets my tip of the cap for continuing to play very well for the Yankees. His bat has been better than I thought it would be since he's came here. Uh, He's come since he's come here. He hit in the playoffs last year and it's looking like that's kind of continuing so far with the Yankees this year. Um... Yeah, I mean, I still think the Yankees should make some promotions here and, and shake some things up, obviously. I I think Austin Wells or Ben Rortved would be pretty necessary. I'm kind of getting tired of accepting garbage hitting at the catcher spot. I get it. I know catchers are there for defense and the Yankees have gotten defense. But we need a spark. We need new faces. We, we need to have some excitement here. Go with the lefty Rortved. Go with some youth in Austin Wells who can play some corner outfield, by the way. 
Peraza, obviously, we all want him up here over Donaldson. So maybe, maybe when when Donaldson announces his retirement tomorrow, we see that. Jeez, um, that'd be nice. Um, yeah, I mean that's kind of it, you know. Um, oh, so if you remember, in the um, after the LA series, the first series of the month, Judge goes down, and my goal for the Yankees. I wanted them to finish out the month going 14-9 and from that Chicago White Sox series, the first series without them, to the end of this St. Louis series, which ends, I think, July 2nd or something. I wanted them to go 14-9 and on their stretch without Judge. Well, so far the Yankees are 7-10, and so <laughs> it's not happening. Um, even with these two wins, that's pretty awful. However, uh, the Yankees are winners in 4 of 6, and they have a very good shot to get hot now with Oakland and St. Louis coming up to wrap up their stretch. So while they failed that goal, I'm going to set a new one here. I'm going to aim high. And I want the Yankees with three games versus a putrid last place 20-60 and 60 Oakland A's team. And then three more games against the last place 32-45 and 45 Cardinals. I think it's very necessary for the Yankees to go 5 and 1 if they want any chance of doing damage in the AL East wild card race. I don't know that 4 and 2 does it. Um cuz Baltimore just keeps finding a way to win. So I think the Yankees I think they should really try. I mean these are two terrible terrible teams. You have to sweep Oakland. And you should take two from St. Louis, St. Louis. But speaking of Baltimore, after the road trip, Yankees come back home to host the O's. So that's going to be a huge series, all depending on what happens on this six-game road trip. But, yes, staying current, um, it's nice to go 4-2 and on this homestand, and hopefully the Yankees can... um, Keep this going out west against uh, Oakland and and get this sweep that starts on Tuesday night. Um, And I think that's that. So I appreciate you guys stopping by. Not much in this episode, but just wanted to run through what was a very solid series for the Yankees. And um, how do I still feel about this team? Not great. I continue to say this team um, has a floor of 88 wins and the second wild card spot. And they have a ceiling of 95 wins and the first wild card spot. I still stand by that. Either scenario could very well happen and I wouldn't be shocked. I think that's the best way to put it. So, with that all said, let's wrap it up with our trivia question as soon as we return from our final break. Stay with us. Be right there. Episode 535 BD4. Studio 69 Productions is a production company that allows content creators of all genres to market their podcast or whatever project they're working on. It's an online platform that will promote your content no problem. All you have to do is get in touch with film director and podcast producer Leo Rodriguez from Say No More Podcast, and you're good to go. You can find him on Instagram at Studio69NJ, Studio69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening. Sorry. To episode 535 of BD4. Let's wrap this up with our trivia question of the day, and that'll be that. Let's get to it. 
All right. So, for this episode, episode 535, sponsored by Anchor, our NYY NYK MMA trivia question of the day is Three Yankees are in the top five for career postseason hits in Major League history. Who are they? Three Yankees are in the top five for career postseason hits. In Major League history. Who are they? Alright, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout out on the next episode. If you don't get it correct, I'll let you know what it is in the next episode. But you get no shout out. So one final time. Three Yankees are in the top five for career postseason hits in Major League history. Who are they? All right, so let me know wherever you can reach me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, in my DMs. Uh, If you got my number, text me. If you don't, well, tough shit. So that's it. Episode 535 is in the books. And I'll see you in 536 when we're talking Yankees-Oakland. Hopefully, hopefully, we're talking about a series sweep. Um... But we'll see. All right. That's it. Appreciate it. I'll see you then. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees, and go Knicks!